pragmatic you sort of have to be if you're dyslexic, otherwise you end up in a lot of trouble. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Carol Railton at FRSA. Carol and Joe met via LinkedIn and then we invited her onto the podcast. Carol is a global groundbreaking behaviourist, specialised in business body language who has worked in 47 countries. Rated 8th in the world of business body language by globalgurus.org, Carol blends together her influencing skills with her background in global sales, training, management, branding and directorship to teach others the secrets of being outstanding in business communications. Her entertaining and warm manner encourages development and learning especially with directors and sales personnel. Along the way, she has authored two books, including The Future of Body Language, given talks worldwide to clients including KPMG Singapore, IOD, CPA, IBM, Google London, Coca-Cola Serbia, Travis Perkins and Half Moon Hotel Jamaica. She cultivates her talks to suit the audience and most recently has spoken at the Security Industry Management Association on the difference between the sexes in the boardroom and the four personalities that buy. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Carol Railton of Life After Branding. Welcome Carol, thanks for joining me. A pleasure. Really cool to be, uh, not cool on this lovely warm day to be talking to you. <laughs> We've just been done the British, doing the British thing and talking weather, haven't we? But we won't bore the listeners. <laughs> not because it's bad; it's really good today. Exactly. So, start by telling us a bit about you, what you do, and where you do it. Um, I'm a behaviourist who specialises in business body language. I'm actually rated eighth in the world by GlobalGurus.org. And I do it all over the world. I've actually worked now in 47 countries. I've traveled to 100 because I'm interested in different cultures and how they behave. Does that answer the question or shall I add yeah, more? That, sound, <laughs> that sounds uh, very broad ranging. And, and so from a sort of day to day basis, how do you work with people? Okay, there's, th- this year has been very interesting. I've done more talks than I've done coaching. So I work through talks, obviously, and one-to-one coaching, group training, generally not more than 12 people. And I can do all of those things actually online now because every everything is accessible. So it's it's really good. And I also do work for people like stockbrokers and investors, analysing the behaviours of CEOs, someone like, well, I have done this actually, um, legal in general, when they do their AGMs once or twice a year, forecasting their future figures, giving their previous year's figures, what the 
the stockbrokers and investors are looking for is a stress level when they mention something going forward. In fact, it started with them asking me to tell them when they were lying. But my, my friendly lawyer said, you can't say that. You have to say that it's a stress level. So that's really interesting. And that's a new, a, a new add-on to what I've been doing, which is fantastic because I can take my time. I look at videos and recall it. So that's another thing I do mm-hmm. besides teaching people how to change their behavior for a better performance on stage, in a negotiation, in sales, and more particularly in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. And do you work from home when you're not with clients? Um, yes, I do. I I prefer to be away from home in a coffee bar or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I have, um, I'm a member of two clubs, so I use their offices um, if and when I'm meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I predominantly, I guess, when I'm doing admin and follow up, I'm at home. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm just reflecting on the fact that we're doing an audio interview with no images. So body language <laughs> is is not really coming into this one. <laughs> no, it's a really good juncture for me to explain why it's good to know your body language. Because um, when we don't use body language or can't see body language, what happens? We get quite frustrated. I'm sure, I really am sure that you and most of your listeners will have got into some sort of telephone rage during the last 10, 15 years. And one of the reasons for that is you can't see the body language. You know, when we first started communicating one to one, we could see the person and we could hear them. So all, all the senses were more or less involved. And then we got into texting texting and things like that um and they weren't involved and nor with a telephone you know Graham alexander graham bell's got quite a lot to answer for really because that's what's caused the problems with telephone sales telephone customer service because they we can't see each other and no matter how many scripts you write and rewrite in the, these companies you you weren't able to predict how the person was going to react because you couldn't see their body language. Mm. Now, in a lot of those scenarios, we've got video, so we come back to a more realistic performance when we're talking to each other. And yes, this is very interesting for me to be doing radio um, (laughs) without the body language, although, of course, it's still going on because if I wanted to terminate this conversation, I could stand up and be very much above my computer and that would somehow influence you and we would terminate this call. Hmm. Don't do it just yet because we've got another few questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people talk about things like, you know, smiling when you're on the phone and people can can tell. Um, And we do we do have sort of signs when we're speaking, as you as you say, part, you know, one of them is physical yeah. things that make a difference. Yeah. And, and you know, I know if we're trying to sort of get off the call, we'll um, 
sort of interrupt and and you know push people along quickly sometimes as well won't we um verbally yeah. but i guess there's lots of things we do with our bodies that 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 does the same thing without us realizing a lot of the time is that is that the case that is the case i mean the most graphic thing i can describe on a radio is if you think about someone who's homeless and down and out they lean forward, they look defeated, their lungs are compressed, you know, they're not standing erect. And if we look at a bouncer at, at a club, that's the complete opposite. They've got their shoulders pushed back and their chest pushed forward. And it's yeah. somewhere in between those two that we want to be when we're talking to people in in the influencing style, I guess, we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So if you are on the telephone and without the benefit of video, that's the best position to be in with a straight back, your head balanced nicely on top of your spine. And it, it sounds better and it's more open. So you have longer breaths and things like that. Mm. So how do you actually work with people? Are you observing them and giving feedback or teaching people what would be better how, how does that all play out well, and i know there'll be lots of different scenarios but give us a flavor <laughs> okay I, it's always easy to talk about your latest clients isn't it so um i've done work for the securities industries i in fact i talked last month at the security industry management association as a result of that work and what they were interested in was um, how you can get the most information from anyone that you're interviewing. So we were looking at advanced versions of open behavior. I think most people know what open behavior it is. It's having your hands either side of your body or resting on your lap if you're sitting down and they're open and the palms are facing up or towards the person you're speaking with. And it's preferable not to have crossed legs. So your uncrossed arms and uncrossed legs. And that gives you quite a vulnerable position. And for people to feel more at ease with you as a result and give you more information. You can test this with your partners. It's a great game to play to try to get something you want with your legs crossed and your arms crossed and leaning forward. And then another time, ask for the same thing with your legs apart, your arms apart, and sitting or standing straight with mm. both feet on the ground. So those are sort of basic things. And I add on to those for people wanting to know how to change their behavior to get more information from others. And also ask them to analyze themselves and analyze other people and show them ways of doing that. Particularly in the boardroom, um, the thing that I'm quite famous for is the difference between men and women in the boardroom. I don't believe, well, in the glass ceiling because I batted through it if it did exist years ago. So um, I look at the difference between men and women and there are reasons why women aren't seen as equal because of their body language. If I just give a quick example, if you look at the queen or the CEOs of companies, we they make very few body movements. They walk quite stately, quite slowly, 
Um, and they're not making lots of moves, flapping their hands, waving pieces of paper in the air or, or their pocket computer or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the, the reality is men make less moves than women. So women are seen as lower down the scale, if you like, which is where people make lots of movements. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, the obvious, and this is something I recognised years ago. As I say, I'm quite famous for it, and got my head up um, in my own field because of this. So um, my take on this is to teach women to be more regal, not to make less moves, but to to be more regal when they make the moves. Okay. And, yeah. and in doing that, what's happened is I found out not only do we make more physical moves but we compound it because we have a handbag and a briefcase whereas the guy might have a portable inside his jacket which he just takes out we tend and puts on the desk whereas women have got to unzip their or unbutton or unbuckle their bag to get their pen and then to get their computer out so not only are we making more moves we compound it by the way we dress and how we handle our office equipment. Mm, interesting. I'm starting to see my my quite streamlined streamlined um, uh, handbag that fits my laptop in <laughs> as a positive now. Then <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I do a little exercise um, when I'm doing group trainings, and often there are, there isn't a man in in the training course and so we pick someone off the street or in the corridor if we're in a hotel or something like that mm -hmm. and we ask them to walk around the table once go out the room without knowing what we're doing and then we ask one of the girls or from outside or in the group to do the same counting the body movements and I've been doing this for 20 years and in that 20 years it's never ever been that the man made more moves than the woman Wow. That's how inbred it is, yeah? Yes, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I probably undo all of the good with my uh with my laptop carrying with the the, the fact that I flap my arms around a lot when I speak. <laughs> well, when you speak, if you're speaking to an audience, that's you know quite a good thing to do is to be mobile. I mean, not many of us like someone who stands on stage completely stiff in the same spot it it doesn't have the impact of someone talking with their arms and hands as long as that body language is matching that verbal communication that's where the discord happens and um, i'm just going to plug my book then i have a little book called the future of body language which looks at how to perform on stage how to perform on video that's actually what it's about and there are some tips there, obviously, on, on of what to do and how to do it. Yes. Yeah. So let's go back a bit. How did you get into this? I mean, it's, I sort of talk to people nowadays about how so many jobs in the future don't actually exist currently. So our children are at school studying to do things that they don't even know exist and, you know, aren't saying uh, you know, I want to be a firefighter or I want to be a train driver or whatever, like they might have done in the olden days because mm. that's how it works anymore. But I don't imagine you were at school saying, I want to be a body language expert either, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. That's quite correct. Um, no, and it didn't happen um, until my 40s. 
Um, I worked my way up as a computer programmer for IBM um, and I traveled, I, I lived in, I'll tell you what happened. I, I got married when I was 21 to another IBMer. We went off to Zambia to work for Anglo-American Mines as computer programmers. They then wouldn't put us on the same shift. So um, I had, in those days, yeah, I, I was the one that left. It's interesting, actually, when I think about it now, because I was more involved, but never mind. Um, anyway, so I left and um, took a job on a newspaper, that sort of thing. And um, but I eventually I divorced um, that guy and divorced that whole career of working in those sorts of terms and I came back to the UK looking for a job and I went into read employment and they said oh come and join us as an interviewer and I worked my way through there became general manager of central London before I got headhunted to go back to South Africa um, so my travel had been ignited with those jobs I was really interested in travel and um, I came back again to the UK after several years uh, working very successfully and I worked for um, well first of all I I, I worked for oh, what's it called D data point um, yes. which is another American company so by this time I'd worked for Xerox who is American IB oh no I went to, I went to Xerox I worked for Xerox for 11 years um, in sales, sales training, area manager for sales and marketing in nine countries in the Middle East. Lots of times these were, these were the first, you know, I was the first woman to work in the Middle East at that level in Xerox. I was the first woman to be a sales training manager in the UK. And I kept, I kept thinking, how come I get these roles? You know, how come I get promoted? And that started an interest in behavior in me because I'm actually dyslexic. So it was a big struggle for me to write anything, but I could see things that other people couldn't see. Mm. Like what I now know is body language, but I didn't know what to call it at the time. So um, whilst working in the Middle, Middle East um, for Xerox, I had an interpreter on a massive contract where I'd um, actually got Xerox to change the contract, which is, was quite something in those days. Um, and I promised my boss that we'd get the deal, you know, it was millions and millions of dollars worth. And during the negotiation, I realized we weren't going to get the deal, but my interpreter was not telling me that. And I knew we weren't, I knew something was wrong. Mm. And um, I had to phone my boss, I'll tell you exactly what he said and tell him that we hadn't got the deal. And I said, and can you please send me on a body language course? And he said, have you lost that plot? Get on a plane and come over here. He was in America. I didn't get on the plane and I didn't go over there. I gave it a couple of days and things settled down. But that was the day I vowed to learn everything I could about body language. And that's what I did when I was traveling. I was reading and reading, watching videos and everything. And I realized that none of these people who call themselves experts on body language took any account of the breath. And breath is a life source, you know, without it, you're dead. And our breath changes at different times in our lives it, when different things are happening. 
yeah? Mm -hmm. But I started writing and challenging all these bigwigs and professors about body language. And um, and I took a few more jobs, you know, uh, became director of a company that I tried to buy with two other directors. We didn't get that. And uh, although we'd done it without prejudice, I decided it was time for me to leave and start my own company, which I did. Um, and that company was living success, teaching individuals how to use body language and influential skills. And then two years later, I formed um, Life After Branding, which was for companies to, to teach and use body language and influencing skills to become better at sales, better at all negotiations. And here we are, you know, I've reduced the company now. Um, it's just two of us, but it did it did get up to quite quite a few people. Yes, yeah. So, what does a sort of typical day look like, and and how do you make sure you get done what you need to get done? What what sort of uh, systems do you use? Um, <laughs> I've told you I'm dyslexic, so systems are not actually that useful to me. I I'm I'm very minimalistic. Um, have a part-time PA. Everything that I have to do in any one day goes on the diary. Every morning I write my list of objectives before I look in the diary. What do I want to um, achieve during this particular day? Mm -hmm. uh, and I also I actually give thanks for what I have already. That started about five years ago. I started doing that and I've continued it. And I find it very useful because it puts you in a very placid place, a place of gratefulness. And I find that easier to work with during the day. Mm -hmm. um, is that enough? Yeah. Do you want more? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I think, you know, that the sort of um, the thankful gratefulness piece is, is really key. It's something that I've been doing for quite a, a long period of time. Um, as well and and do so with a group of of um, Facebook friends and it, it does really I think really help to keep you sort of positive um, regardless of what's happening because there's always a reframe mm. isn't there of, of something in fact I interviewed somebody um, recently um, who was talking uh, for a different podcast who, who was talking about how you know when you've got a problem the idea is to look at the the positive outcome if that problem wasn't there what would you have instead in a positive manner and then work towards that rather than sort of dwell on the actual problem and uh, yeah. you know I think that's part of the the, the, the reason for, for doing the gratitude work isn't it is to 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 start with a you know gratefulness for the good stuff and get into that frame of mind rather than start with a view of oh what a terrible day I've got coming <laughs> absolutely no that's absolutely right I mean I think it was 10 years ago, I trained in NLP, Neuralistic Programming, and became a master. And it's one of the things they look at. And how, how do you start your day? How do you um, make yourself feel better? How can you change what you perceive as not okay into something that's okay? And you've just explained is to look at an outcome from it. Um, that's a really good way of doing things. And I wish they would teach this in schools, uh, as well as body language. I mean, we teach English, we teach all, all that sort of stuff, but we don't teach body language in schools. 
And if we did, we'd be able to have better communications, less violence, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because it enhances what we feel and say. And if we use it properly, then it can calm down situations as well. You know, if you have, um, if you've got a very explosive situation where pe people are, are screaming at each other and it's your role to change that behavior, if you can, first of all, get into their space and be using their breath patterns, which will be very, very fast, yeah, um, mm -hmm. and their body language, then you can stand on both feet. There is a little more to it than I'm going to tell you, but in the basics I'm going to describe, um, you would open up your body language and start slowing your breath so that eventually they copied you rather than you copying them. And you yeah. can take hold of these situations. I've spoken to um, an ex-CIA agent and we were talking about the breath and how powerful it was and things like that. He's subsequently written a book which includes bits of that. It's just yeah. quite interesting, yeah. yeah. So, I, don't think, I don't think anyone's ever said that on my show before. Just talking to an ex-CIA agent, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> well, of course, they also teach body language and influencing yeah. skills, you know, from a slightly different perspective. They're probably yeah. talking to, um, you know, heads of country, heads of government, that sort of thing about negotiations, whereas... I'm talking to CEOs and sales managers and salespeople generally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what about um, tools and apps to get things done? You've talked about um, the sort of preparation for the day, that, you know, getting yourself ready piece. What, what about, um, and you said obviously with the dyslexia, you know, process is not your thing. Yeah. What, do you, what would you recommend to other people that, that works really well for you across anything that, you, that you're doing? Okay, I use Apple systems, um, which of course were founded on Xerox system. So I'd already uh, been able to, to adapt straight the, straight away to an Apple and I continue mm -hmm. that. Um, and I find that Apple's got most things. I can create my slides on a package um, on Apple and I can... Um, a store photograph and everything I need really all my past history I have a system on there for invoicing um, and everything I do really on the Apple mm -hmm. uh, but in terms of outside of the Apple and the phone in my office I'm talking about my home office here I have three very large charts on the wall and one says start one says in progress and one says completed mm -hmm. and every day I look at what's still on the start and what's <laughs> in the progress um, and pull off the completed from the previous day and feel that makes you feel good as well that you've completed something yesterday mm. and then put any new things up on the start and look at what I have to progress to the in progress and I do that with two colors of post-it notes one bright luminous green which is urgent 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 and green stands for growing in my mind so that's why it's uh, you know if I don't solve it that 
it's going to explode. So get mm-hmm. that done first. And yeah. then the other one is pink, which I think is fanciful and a bit feminine. I know that's a bit old fashioned, but that's how it works. And it's been working for a couple of years for me and it works really well. Yes. Yeah. So at any one time, I've got everything I need to start doing, perhaps for a talk in the future, you know, creating the slides for that if I'm using slides. And then in progress will be things where I've done half the contract, um, but there's more to complete. Or I've got as far as meeting the CEO, we've got the deal, but we don't have a start date, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting that it's quite visual for you, given what you do. Yes. Well, I think I, I am a very visual person. I think what I lack on the other side is 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 really fruitful for me um, in my spare time and more and more in my business time. Actually, I'm doing photography and I'm now an award winning photographer. I never was trained in that. Apparently, I've got a really good eye. Um, and I won two, I've won a worldwide competition in photography. Wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's fairly new. That's all happened in the last three years. And I didn't, I, ha, I mean, now I'm learning about the more technical sides and things like that. But yeah. I seem to have fallen into it, you know, and I've done a couple of assignments. I did the Islington Film Festival, for instance, quite recently. I live just by Islington, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, wow, you're uh, and truly award-winning in many different ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what about those days where things go horribly wrong? What 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 do you do to um to make them better or to cope with them? How how do you deal with those days? Um, I suppose I always try and get give myself extra time. You know, mm-hmm. to get somewhere. If I, I did a talk out in Suffolk, and um, the I was staying overnight. I was talking at the Harwich Royal Yacht Club, um, and um, they arranged for a cab from to meet me at the station at Ipswich to take yeah. me to my hotel, and then I had a turnaround time of an hour to get into an evening dress you know, collect things and go. Well, I got to the station, the train was on time, there was no taxi, I hung around, because I don't know the traffic really, and it's and uh, nothing happened. So I phoned the taxi company, which the company that had booked me gave me all these details, and they said, we haven't got a booking. And I went, what? Okay. So I, t- I was now half an hour, so I knew I'd only got half an hour to turn around time. So, I phoned the PA of the person who'd booked this whole thing and she said, oh, hold on, I'll find someone. And of course, you know what I'm going to say, the taxi arrived, got there and in two minutes, you know, I had about two minutes to check in, dump my things and turn around. So getting made up in the cab, you know, all that sort of stuff. And actually, as I was going along in the cab, I I had a really nice cab driver and that helped, obviously. But as I was going along, I was thinking, you know, why did I need an hour? You know, I've done all this in in a couple of seconds, you know. (laughs) I I think time is my biggest awareness. You know, I I take a lot of time before an appointment to try and get there early or on time and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm quite 
pragmatic you sort of have to be if you're dyslexic otherwise you end up in a lot of trouble um, mm -hmm. I had an, an someone I invoiced someone the other day and they said this is not um, what I expected to pay and I thought it was a strange sentence expected to pay um, <laughs> they had um, given amazing reviews and I said what did you expect to pay <laughs> it was under half of what my fee was and I said but you know, I've quoted my fee. I wouldn't take an assignment without a fee. Anyway, so I put the phone down because I had to go somewhere. And I said, look, OK, let me um, look at this and come back to you. So yeah. I looked at the whole history and the emails and everything. And I thought my natural reaction was to phone up and go, look, I, I see it's all here <laughs> in line, you know, and everything. And yeah, just let me well pay. Yeah. And then I... I had some other sort of realization and I thought no this is a really nice client and I'd love to work with her again and I ended up writing a, a really lovely with the help of my PA um, a really lovely email and saying look this is the fee I am on this occasion I'm going to reduce it by 50 percent as long as you pay it by tomorrow you know um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want any bad feeling blah 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 and it worked and yeah. I thought, you know, rather than waste the time trying to get the whole fee, you know, the effort, the aggravation. Um, and anyway, she wrote to me, she said, oh, thank you so much. I didn't expect that. Having told me. <laughs> to pay less. So these things, if you can keep your cool, I think yes. can be worked out. You know, I mean, I didn't tell the woman who'd booked me for the talk in Suffolk until after I'd spoken that I didn't have the hour that they planned for me mm. to check into the hotel, get changed and everything like that. Yes. So, um, yeah. you know, um, it, it, I don't think I had that bad a days, really. And if no. I do, it's normally to do with the computer. You know, <laughs> doesn't, uh, otherwise, things run pretty smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. So, so on the flip side, then, what, what about those days where you've had the chance to live more, which I say is all about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do? What, what does that day look like for you? Um, well, taking pictures, <laughs> taking photographs, <laughs> yes, and traveling. I mean, they, they're the two motivators for me. Traveling. I mean, I've done work. I think I said in forty-seven countries. And I've traveled to 100. So um, I really am playing that out. And um, yeah, and, and the, the other motivation for me is learning. You know, if I learn something new in a day, I'm a very happy lady. You know, and, and generally you can learn something if you look deeply enough. Yes. How do you ensure that you are learning as you as you go? Well, I, I'm, I'm nearly always on a course of one sort or another. I'm currently on a course about the technical stuff on um, with cameras. You know, I'm, I'm working with a guy called Chris Coe, who um, he does on, if people are Londoners, they'll probably know about the Travel Photographer of the Year Award, which is an outside exhibition on the South Bank for a month. And... Right. Um, I got an. I did a week's course with him in Ireland last year, um, taking pictures of seals and mountains in horrendous weather along the Atlantic Wild Coast there, but beautiful pictures as a result. And I got an invite to his 
um, opening of that exhibition. So I, I go as often as I can out with him because I think he's an amazing photographer. Mm. I um, attend lots of meetup photographic groups. Yeah, and um, I I keep myself fit. You know, I go to the gym. I do water aerobics twice a day. Uh, twi not twice a day. Whoa, <laughs> That's <laughs> you must be very wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> twice a week if, if I'm in London, and as well as going to the gym and things like that. So I'm a very active person. Um, some people would say intense, but I prefer the word active. <laughs> yeah yeah oh cool that's good to know so it's been really interesting talking to you carol thank you so much for joining me how can people find out more about you and connect with you okay i'll give my phone number out um which is the london uk number 07866 531 400 and then i'm on linkedin as carol relton carol with an e um, and then I have after my name, because there are a couple of Carol Railtons. Um, I have FRSA, which is a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. Mm -hmm. um, you can find me on LinkedIn or obviously you can find me on lifeafterbranding.com. Lovely. Thank you. That's brilliant. So thank you so much again for joining me. It's been a delight. Thank you. All this information is available in the show notes, which you can find at powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 112, 112. And I don't have a tool share with you this week. I've not um, written a newsletter with that on, which is where it normally comes from, as you know, because I'm just changing my strategy around my newsletter. And so uh, we'll miss out the tool this week uh, and I will give you more information next week about what I'm doing instead. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope you have a great week. I'm just sitting in the garden, so you might hear a bit of uh, bird tweeting going on behind. It's a lovely weekend in England. So again, the show notes are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 112. We look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.